So today we're going to be talking about moving from malfunction, or in our case, malfunctions, plural, we had plenty of them, from malfunctions to miracles. Does that sound good? Does it sound possible? It is absolutely possible. Those miracles, we have had the privilege not just to read about them in other people's story, but over the years, God has given us the privilege and the opportunity to work with scores of couples that God has done miracles in their marriage, and he can do it for any of us, okay? He's had to so, do plenty in our marriage, that's for sure. <laughs> that's so we want to take you back to two months before we were married, okay? So we've been married 37 years, so that's going back a while, just like coming here to what used to be Cedar Lake Academy. I was here in school 42 years ago as a senior. That's going back a ways. One, uh, one young pastor here, who a friend of ours, who has been a longtime friend, introduced us to, he said, wow, that's going back to the dinosaur age. <laughs> After he walked away, she said, he hasn't learned to be discreet yet. <laughs> anyway, that is going back. You know, a lot of you, well, some of you haven't, you know, weren't even around then at that exactly. time. So we're going back to two months before our wedding, and one of my associates in radiology was getting married. So he was getting married a couple months ahead of us. No, after us. Or, uh, yeah, he was getting married after yeah. us. Thank you. We've got to yes. get the timing of that right. And so he invited me to be a groomsman in his wedding and to sing for their wedding and do a few other things. And so I said, well, let me talk to my fiancé. Was that a good thing to do? You know, because, the, again, the default mode for most guys is just to write off the cuff to say, well, sure, I'll be in your wedding. So we talked about it. And I said, you know, I don't know anybody in Lowell's wedding. Except Lowell. But Lowell. <laughs> You're not going to know anybody else either, and it's going to be a quick weekend. This is what they want me to do, so I'm going to be busy through the entire weekend. The other thing he told me is that the wedding was going to take place in Boston, okay? So we were living in Illinois, so you all know that Boston's a bit of a distance from Illinois, so that's okay, you know. I mean, it's just a quick weekend, right? And we're all excited about our upcoming wedding, so we're thinking about all the people who are coming in to help us out. So sure, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll be happy to be a groomsman and sing and whatever else I can do to help. Well, <clears throat> as we talked about it, both of us have come from the background where our mothers particularly were very good savers financially, which proved to be a blessing. And finances has never been an issue for us in marriage like it is for many people, which has been another blessing. So I said to her, you know, we don't know anybody there. I'm going to be busy the whole weekend, so maybe it would just be better to save our money and you stay at home. Oh, I didn't get any moans or groans on that. That's good. <laughs> this is a saving audience. Okay. Here. I thought it was a good idea. I mean, it's just going to be really quick. And so, you know, a few hundred dollars in a plane fare, that's significant, right? So anyway, I said, yeah, I think that's all right. And I figured I, there'd be plenty for me to do at home, getting everything set up, because we were going to be newlyweds. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that could still be 
um, put around the house where they needed to find a, a permanent spot. So we agreed to that. that. That was great for both of our mentality for saving. And then as things unfolded, it turned into a longer yeah. weekend. So in order to get there in time for the rehearsal, he had to leave on Thursday instead of Friday. And instead of the wedding being on Sunday morning, it was on Sunday evening. Therefore, he couldn't come home till Monday. So the short weekend turned out to be five days. And that was okay because now the ticket's bought and, you know, I can work Thursday and Friday and Monday. So I'm still only home two days by myself. And it was still okay, and I can remember, that was the last conversation we had after we booked the ticket, and now it's Thursday morning, and we are driving to O'Hare Airport. This is a long time ago, when you could actually go all the way to the door of the airplane. Many of you are old enough to remember that, right? You actually go. And so I am thinking, he's driving, of course. I'm going to drop him off, but he's driving himself there. And I am thinking, as we're coming into the airport, that we're going to go into short-term parking so that I can go into the airport with him and go all the way to the gate. And because we're so in love, we're so going to sit together until he has to get on that plane. This is where the malfunctions begin. <laughs> I was totally unaware of this malfunction at the time. But as I drove up, being the efficient person that I was and try to be, although my efficiency has uh, turned more towards gospel efficiency, not just my efficiency. But I pulled up and I went right past short-term parking and ended up in front of ticketing. And I immediately got out of the car, got my suitcase out, <laughs> And I'm sitting in the seat. I, I guess I get out here, right? You know, so I got out of the car. And he said, uh, I love you. He gave me a kiss and he walked through the door. And that was the end. That was it. So I, I never knew I did a malfunction on that <laughs> until later as the story unfolds. <laughs> but I, I flew off to Boston and my dear wife... Went to work. Went to work. <laughs> and... You were. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get home because, okay, this is, this is a long time ago. There were no such, there was probably not a thought of a cell phone back in that day. There were no cell phones. And oh, so, they were tracking devices right. in the military, okay. I think, at that time. <laughs> we should have tuned into the military then. But anyway, so I was looking forward to going home and, and waiting in the evening because I wanted to hear, you know, how things were going. He got there, where he's staying, who he's staying with, you know, how things are rolling out. And all evening, the phone never rang. So it's Friday morning, and I'm going to work, and I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit bad because I didn't hear from him, and I thought, like every good wife does, we put the best construction on, don't we? At the beginning. I want to put that little phrase at the beginning. Hey, that's a very important little phrase, <laughs> at the beginning. So I'm thinking, oh, my husband, he is reserved, and he's a little bit shy and doesn't like to inconvenience people, so he doesn't know these people. He probably doesn't even know where their phone is. He's probably too a little bit shy or hesitant to ask if he can borrow the phone because not only did they not have cell phones, but if you made long-distance calls in those days, you had to pay for it, showed up on your bill, right? And so anyway, I was had all these great reasons. And they were actually pretty Pretty close, too, on those reasons. Right. 
So Friday I worked all day, and I'm, I'm thinking all day what he's doing, right? I'm envisioning, okay, he's meeting up with his friend. They're getting ready to do the rehearsal. All these, you know, pre-wedding. We had just been married two months before. I know all the things that happened before the wedding. And I'm envisioning all these things happen, rolling out on Friday. And I can't wait to get home so that he will call me and tell me all about what's going on. Okay, so the next malfunction. All those things that she said were true. I mean, I am much more reserved, which people sometimes have a hard time believing that, because, okay, so you're up front talking to people, but I can tell you that that's not my favorite place to be. But I am more reserved, and it was difficult. I didn't know where their phone was, and it is a place, you know, it's in the, in the days where phones were on walls, connected, no or privacy, on or on tabletops, or on tabletops okay? But <clears throat> just to get this over with, okay, get right to it, I never called her the whole time I was gone. That's what I thought, because... That's terrible. Okay, he, he just jumped right into it. So it is Monday... I, my thoughts had changed from all of these reasons why he didn't communicate and why he didn't call me to I wonder what's going on at this wedding, right? Five days, we've been married two months, and I haven't heard a word. Four nights. Thursday, Friday, four, four Saturday, nights. Sunday, Monday. Yeah, Five four, days, four nights. Okay. <laughs> We're both right, honey. <laughs> I'm just I, trying to make it sound a little bit less. less. <laughs> Anyway, my mind wasn't in the best frame of thinking. That's true. <laughs> so I am driving to O'Hare to pick him up, and I have two choices. I can drive into short-term parking and go in, and I can see that plane come up to the, the jetway, and I can, you know, be the first one he sees when he gets off the plane. Or... I could bypass that exit, and I could just drive up to baggage claim or arrivals, and I can just sit in the car and wait till he shows up. So, two choices. I knew both of them very clearly. There was a part of me that wanted to be at the gate, because I loved him and I missed him. There was a part of me that wanted to punish me. <laughs> you want to take it from here? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> No, it's just, we didn't understand the, the practical power of the gospel in the same way that we have come to understand it. So he found <laughs> me at baggage claim. And what was so amazing about that is, you know, I'm sitting there waiting and watching people come out. You know, they're looking around for who's there to pick them up. And I see him come out, and he is as happy as he can be. And I was very happy to see him. Partly. She just didn't let, let me know that. <laughs> I was completely happy to see her. Hello, honey. He comes over, he greets me, gives me a kiss, and a big hug. Oh, I'm so nice to see you. I had such a wonderful weekend. And that was not the good thing to say at that point. <laughs> and he gets in the car, of course, in the driver's seat, and he is just communicating. Remember I told you he's a good communicator? He is talking halfway back to the hospital, because we still have a half a day to put in. He's talking 
almost, you know, all the way back. He says, about this and that and the other thing. And it's like, the more he talked, the more upset I got. Because I have spent five days, four nights in agony waiting for him to call me, going from giving him good, good excuses, good outs, to wondering all kind of things. Like, I wonder who was his partner to, you know, be in the wedding. Remember, we had just been married, right? We had our bridesmaids and our groomsmen. We had them paired up, and they, they didn't know each other before the wedding. So he didn't know this girl. And I could envision exactly what she looked like. I mean, that's what our mind does. And then it, 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 my mind, my thoughts were totally getting out of control. So yeah, I, we are a major <clears throat> malfunction. And I do want to say that what I did, or better yet, what I didn't do was horrible, okay? To this day, I really don't understand how that happened that way. I was very in love with my wife, but it didn't happen, okay? So that was a terrible thing. That was a real malfunction. Yes, a terrible malfunction. But today, we want to talk about how these malfunctions work, because every couple has a cycle of malfunction. Yes, I said every couple has a cycle. And that's because every couple has two people that have a self. That is ideally always under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that is not always the reality. And every honest couple knows that. And so today we want to talk about how, what we call the four misses. The four misses of malfunction and how they happen. So we're going to take this little story and we're going to dissect it apart. None of you have probably ever had such a traumatic experience in the same way we did, but you've all had traumatic experiences where you've had conflict and pain and hurt, anger, you know, as my husband said, punishment or whatever. So we want to look at, we're going to take this story apart and we're going to show you how, how it could have been salvaged early on, but how we took it all the way to the bottom. And the misery that we had and the pain that we, that we went through was all truly unnecessary. So the first miss that we want to talk about is misconception. Okay? We both malfunctioned as newlyweds in the misconception that it is okay to separate yourself from your wife, your husband, when it doesn't need to happen, okay? We made this misconception. I wish that many times that I could have gone and, and redone that because the $350 or whatever it was would have been well spent to have my wife with me. That was a misconception that we both had. Mm -hmm. So we didn't blame each other for that. That's right. And another misconception very closely aligned to that one is that now we're married, right? You think the devil just rolls over and plays dead? Oh, they're married now, so I don't have to worry about trying to do anything to separate them. 
in the line of using other people. No, he doesn't. He, he actually is more intent to try to attack and destroy the relationship between a husband and wife. So that was another misconception that, that there are not the temptations to, for a man or a woman, but I'm speaking in the context of a man to leave his wife, to go away. Like, it just, he just doesn't get married and all of a sudden he has blinders. You know, he doesn't see any other females around. He's only thinking of one. No, he, he still has eyes and he still has the mind of a male. And the devil wants to use those two in combination to take him a different path. So that was another misconception we never talked about. We made assumptions, right? Assumptions are deadly. So then there's the misconception of me. I'm having a great time at the wedding, unfortunately. Okay? Oh, it's okay to have a great no, time. No, I know, at the but <laughs> we'll talk about that in okay. the next miss, okay? But I'm there, and I'm, am I thinking about my wife? Yes, I am happy to tell you that. I am thinking about Thank my you. wife. Thank okay? you. <laughs> and I love my wife, but I'm not communicating any of that to her. And I'm expecting, when I walk out of that baggage claim door, and I see my wife sitting in our car, I am just delighted to see her. Okay? You think, well, that, that's good. Yeah, but that's part of the cluelessness of men. Okay? And I know that I'm not going to offend any, anybody here because you know exactly what I mean. Things can go right over our head. Not like they used to for, for me, but this was right over my head. It's like she's going to be just as happy to see me, and I'm not processing the fact that I haven't called her. Is that going to make a difference for her? I'm expecting to get in that car unwind my story and have her just so excited about it. That's a misconception. Mm -hmm. She is in a different world right now. Okay. Another misconception happened because of assumptions and not communicating. That was a misconception that he thinks like I do. In other words, driving to the airport on Thursday morning, we should have talked about before we ever got to the airport, you know, am I going to go in with him? Or, you know, how does he want it to roll out? It was like all of a sudden we're at the airport and now a decision's made, but there's been no communication about it. And not only that, but after he left, I assume he's going to call me, but I never said to him, honey, are you going to call me? I just assumed he would. That's a misconception. And that was a very good assumption. Because... I'm sorry for that. It, 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 How many times have I told you that? Many, many, many. <laughs> well, the other thing that added fuel to the fire is that I traveled for the hospital as a nurse recruiter. And any time in our relationship that I took a trip away from Chicago, wherever it was in the United States, every time I got to my noon destination, I found a phone or I used a pay phone and I called him at his apartment to let him know I had arrived safely. So I assumed, I never communicated, are you going to call me? I never asked the question. I just knew he would because that's how I had done it. That's a big misconception. Now you start thinking about your malfunction, your cycle of malfunction, and you begin to see that those misconceptions and those assumptions is what starts that cycle rolling downward. That's very well said, and it's exactly what happens. So <clears throat> we want you to be a, a part of our story, and stories are what stick if you don't write things down. But we also want you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of your story mm -hmm. right now what you're going through, OK? 
okay? What your cycle looks like, what creates your misconceptions, because that will make practical, meaningful difference in your lives, okay? So number two, the second miss, and these are misses, like ships passing in the night, okay? Misconduct. I want to tell you that when I was there at that wedding, especially during the reception, I had some misconduct. Don't let your mind run off too quickly, okay? This is the misconduct that I had. In my previous experience as a single man, now I've only been married two months, in my previous experience, I used to be quite flirtatious. That's not what I was going to oh, say. Sorry. <laughs> that's what you were going to say. Sorry, I take that back. No, you don't need to because okay. that was true, but okay. that's not what I was going to say. Okay, sorry, I've been quiet. No, that's good. I, this is why we're up here together, okay. dear. I, I love you. <laughs> yes. But I had, I, I was changing that, very definitely changing that. But I was also foolish. Now, anybody that has known me for the last, well, at least 30 years, would never have guessed that I was a foolish person because I am not a foolish person. I'm not the jokester. I'm not trying to... You know, I, I'm not, that's not where I am because I know that that's not following the lamb whithersoever he goeth, okay? There is no guile in the mouth of Christ. You'll never hear him joking with his disciples or saying, gotcha on that one, didn't I, buddy? There's none of that. There's none of the belittling. There's, you know, jokes are always belittling somebody or some culture. And I used to be a jokester. And many times we found in marriages today that the foolishness is also a sign of the insecurity in the relationship, okay? And so I was a jokester, and that happened to me in that wedding. And that was misconduct. As far as the girl that was on my arm that she had this imagination for, I was able to clear that up very quickly. She would not have had to be concerned about the girl that was on my arm during those rehearsals. Okay, but if she would have been on my arm at my side at that wedding and at that fest, uh, the festivities of that reception, I would have had different conduct if for no better motivation than my wife being with me. Okay, that was misconduct. Okay, part of it was that they didn't have the kind of wedding and wedding reception that we had. I had no idea what was going to happen, but our wedding and our wedding reception, we tried to, to have it focused, and I think did spiritual, fairly spiritual well, all spiritual way all the way through to the very end. Their wedding part was spiritual. Their reception was not at all. And I got sucked into it. Who am I blaming? Me. But if she had been with me, that misconduct would not have happened in that way. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry you weren't with me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Another misconduct, which was obvious, he never called me, okay, so we can, oh, that, that one falls into all that, the categories. That's a big one. But I also had misconduct. As I said earlier, I put on the, 
when it first happened, I put good construction on it, right? And I loved him, I trusted him, everything was good. But as the weekend rolled on, and as my, my thoughts started to look at other potential scenarios of which I've expressed here, my thoughts started to, my negative thoughts started to uh, supersede the positive thoughts. At any time we let our emotions and our thoughts go ahead of what we know to be as reality, we create a picture that's not reality, but that is very destructive. And that's what was happening to me. That's why on the way to the airport, I was struggling because there was a part of me wanted to go in and, and be with him because I loved and I missed him terribly. And there was another part of me that I was so angry and so upset and so hurt that I was going to give him his same medicine. He drops himself off, I'll just pick him up. And that's often the way a wife responds through the process of our thoughts that are not under the control of Christ the emotions that follow it, that strengthen those thoughts, that strengthen those emotions, that strengthen those thoughts, to where when he greeted me, I was, you know, okay, he didn't know I was cold at first, but as we're driving down the interstate back toward work, it wasn't very long before he could say, something is not right with her, because now she's not only, you know, looking at me and interested in my story, but now she's turning her back to me, and I can see steam coming off of her. Now, he didn't really uh, see the steam, it, it but you was, know what I mean. That's a figurative <laughs> picture. It was undoubtedly in the 37 years of our marriage, it was the most visible body language I'd ever seen. <laughs> Because she literally went from facing me, the driver's seat, to facing the window out the passenger seat with her back totally to me. Is that body language? Yeah, Is that communication? Nonverbal communication, but communication nonetheless. So the third miss is miscommunication. And we had... I had a lot of that, the no calling, when we're back together. You know, uh, as we've shared this experience with other people, when I got back together with her, I had an opportunity when she said to me, why didn't you call me? Is that a fair question? Sure it is. I mean, you know, I want to know, why didn't you call me? You've been gone five days. And I sensed the hurt in those words. I sensed the frustration. I sensed the agitation. <laughs> but at that moment, had I been more equipped, and this is not an excuse, but it's a reality, had I been more equipped to understand the call of the Spirit to my heart. Because I have no, he's no respecter of persons. You know, Christ is ever sending messages. Ministry of Healing says, Christ is ever sending messages to those who listen for his voice. I wasn't listening. I was, you know, seemed to be as spiritual as everybody else I knew, and in some ways, maybe more spiritual. You know, we were the young adult leaders, you know, in the Sabbath school class, you know, 1,300 member church. 
but I wasn't listening. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand being tuned in. And I have no doubt that the Spirit called to me in that moment of time, and I missed my opportunity. And this is what happens in every fatal cycle, in every malfunctioning cycle of every couple that struggles. We miss that, or we choose not to respond to it. And so, instead of entering into that opportunity, because I have no question, knowing my wife as I do now, that if I would have simply said something like this to her, oh honey, I am so sorry that I did not call you. It would have changed the history of this experience. That's all it would have taken. I mean, she's a very resilient woman. But I didn't say that. I started making all my excuses. I started telling her all the reasons why. That's what Adam began this whole sin problem with. The very first <laughs> creation of God, perfect in his manhood, and he starts to blame God. This is where it all starts, and this is where we have to deal with it. This is where I didn't deal with it because I started making all the excuses, and it went downhill from there. It did. It was, it's definitely a miscommunication. His, his, I'm not going to say his exact words, but, but this is part of what was said. What's the big deal? It was a big deal to me. So when that kind of justification and excuses came forward, it, it, it only reinforced, I wonder what really took place there, right? Because he seems a bit defensive about this. And if we would have had a perfect marriage from the moment we said I do until this weekend, it would have been easier to go through this weekend. But unfortunately, we'd already hit some of those malfunctions in our relationship in, in poor communication and assumptions, those misses that we talked about in other areas and little things. So there was already some, you know, background in the two months. We weren't coming to this event for the first time, and this was our first big blow-up or misunderstanding. We had too many already along the way. I mean, not a whole lot, but there was already some in place. So when he said that, the next thought I had, and I verbalized, I said, so I'm really not that important to you, am I? I'm just really not that important to you. About with that into intonation. Now, I wanted to be important to him, didn't I? I was desperate to be important to him. And I was kind of helping, trying to help him see that when you tell me it's not a big deal, that really saying to me I'm not important. You see how men say one thing and women interpret it? That was the message. He said, no, I'm not saying that. And I said, that's what, I'm, that's, that's what you're saying to me. I'm not really that important. So now we've both had major miscommunication in the car. We haven't quite got to the hospital yet. And we're ready to go all the way to the bottom, to number four, the miss number four, misunderstanding. So when misunderstanding happens, it happens in accordance with our version of the misunderstanding. It happens in accordance with our perception of the reality of what's taking place. It doesn't happen 
if we're surrendered to Christ because he governs that process in us. But when we choose to bypass the Holy Spirit, we are in self and we were both in self and when we are in self, we can't call it by any other name. Self leads us in the path of another master, right? We think it's us, okay? I'm gonna do it my own way. <laughs> the devil laughs all the way to the bank on that kind of thinking. No, there is not. My own way is, is either my own way to surrender and give myself to the Lord to let him take charge of me in this moment, or my own way usually takes us right into the hands of our adversary. And that creates a misunderstanding that enters us into a further deepening of what we call the fatal cycle in communication. Because now it puts us back in our corners or puts us in a distance from each other. And then, but by the intervention of God or one of us being willing to let God intervene, we continue on that cycle waiting for the other person to change, waiting for the other person to stop being defensive, waiting for the other person to stop saying what we don't want to hear, and that doesn't happen apart from Christ. It's a fatal cycle. So the misunderstanding came that he thought I was just oversensitive. Okay, you're a woman, you're just oversensitive. It's just kind of your problem. Being too emotional. That bothered me. So then my, my misunderstanding, I came away thinking, not only am I not that important to him, I don't even think he really cares. And now I'm not sure he really loves me. So you see how in just you know, an hour drive or a little less from meeting at the airport to going to work, we started and we went from our initial greeting, and we were both very happy to see each other, by the way. I know. We were. But we... <laughs> so, so are they. They yes. know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> but here. we went all the way to the bottom of that cycle of malfunction. We didn't understand that's what was happening. We had been in that spin before, but this was probably the biggest spin we'd ever been in, and that was two months into our marriage. And, the, and, and we are no different than you are. When we got to work, we both went into work happy, normal, you know, great well, people. Well, let's say that we, we put other. on a happy face. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We, we, we put on this facade, like everybody puts on their facade when you come to church, you come to camp meeting, you go to work, because we worked, you know, in the same hospital. And we went into our jobs, and we did, we functioned great, we had a great time, we were happy, we were everything everybody always knew us to be. As soon as work was over, we got in the car, and we picked right up with the same attitude that we separated in. And you've done it too often. And that's that cycle of malfunction. Well, we can't go into the whole story of how that day ended, but I'm thankful to tell you this. In our marriage and in our malfunctions and the cycles that we have come to identify in our marriage, they don't go for days and weeks and months. 
We know families today. In fact, at one of our retreats, we were sharing this message, and a lady came to us afterwards, and she said, I am so thankful that you just shared this message. And the four misses, and what we're going to share with you now is the solution. Because she said, my husband and I, right here in the middle of this retreat, are ready to go into our cycle of malfunction. And it may last three months. Our children see us living under the same roof. They see us come into church, like my wife said, fighting all the way to church, and <laughs> happy Sabbath, brother. Isn't it a beautiful day? You know what that does to children? Children's hearts are so sensitive to hypocrisy that they don't even know the name for it, but they know something's wrong. And this lady said, will you meet with us? And we ended up meeting with them, and the Lord did one of his miracles through the power, the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did not go into malfunction. And we, we have seen what God has done for that family. We do not have to live in our malfunctions. We do not have to say, well, that's just our cycle. That's just the way it is for us. We've lived that way for one couple that came to us. They'd been married over 50 years. And they said, we want to break this cycle. Will you give us help? You know, that's 50 years. And they were very prominent people in the church that looked good and everything they did in their leadership. So don't be afraid to admit that you've got a cycle of malfunction. And we're going to talk about how God wants to take us out of that cycle. 1 Corinthians 7.3 tells us very simply the husband needs to render due benevolence unto the wife. Now that's a little bit wordy, okay? Due benevolence. Well, let's put that in very simple and practical terms. What that's talking about, men, is that God is asking us to be the first to step forward to break the cycle by manifesting kindness to our wife. Kindness that would be so obvious to give to any other transaction, interaction, and relationship that you have on the earth. But that does not come natural sometimes in marriage. And what God is saying, that he would rather have us give love than hold out and exact love or extract love. Because one of the things that happens for us as men is if we don't feel respected, if we don't feel affirmed, if we don't feel like our wife is giving us the honor due to us, we can withhold the very thing that means the most to them, and that is withhold our love. This verse simply says to us as men, and sometimes it's the other way around, but I'm speaking in general terms, sometimes it reverses. But don't wait for love. 
Don't exact love. Give love and watch what happens when you begin to do that. And the verse continues and it says, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. So both are accountable, aren't they? The husband and the wife do benevolence. Do benevolence. Look for ways to promote the happiness between the two of you. If we would have done that one verse, if we would have acted upon that principle that day, we could have had a very pleasant hour ride back to the hospital. And we wouldn't have had to go through a lot of pain and sorrow and agony and heartache and frustration and all everything else because we would have acted by faith, not by feeling, on the word of God. So it, it's really for both of us. It's nice if the husband will take and step up to that. But hey, if he doesn't, that doesn't leave the wife excused because it says, and likewise also wife to the husband. So one of us has to step forward and many times it's him and sometimes it's me or many times it's me and sometimes it's him. Whatever your dynamic is, don't be afraid to be the first to step forward. Don't wait on the other person because sometimes waiting on that other person only causes a cycle to deepen and deepen because the thoughts and feelings, they just don't go away in our waiting process. They continue to recycle through our minds. So if you're taking notes, number one is that we need to be willing to identify our pattern of malfunction, our cycle of malfunction. Every marriage has one. What is the cycle? That is not to be confused with, if my wife would change, I could have a happy marriage. If my husband could get his act together as the leader of the home, we would have a happy marriage. And that's not the cycle we're talking about. We're talking about you, whoever you are, being willing to say, Lord, show me the cycle. There are many people, we've done this meeting in many places, there are many people that have shared with us, we instantly knew what our cycle was. We know exactly. He does this, I say that. She says that, and I immediately respond this way. And we're in it. And it goes down from there. And for us, it's three days. For the other person, it's a week. For some, it's a few hours. Whatever it is, it's almost predictable. So admit, because until we admit, it's the same with our Christian walk with God, until we admit the need that we have, not blaming, but admitting, letting the Holy Spirit work here, we do not need, we do not feel our need to get the help that God wants to give us. So identify your pattern, okay? And that's a good thing to do just to talk about. So these, these steps we're giving you are things you can talk about, you know, when this presentation's over or as the day draws on or before you leave this camp meeting, talk about it. It's, it's easy to talk about, especially if you're not in one. It's very hard to talk about if you're actually in one, but you can still do it because the grace of God is, is sufficient. Number two, take ownership of your side of what you contribute to that malfunction. Most always, our first thought is once we identify it, yeah, it's all because of him. If he would get his act together, if he would do this, if he would, wouldn't do that, then 
Now, take ownership because there's two people in this relationship and both contribute to the relationship. Both contribute to the happiness and joy and both of us contribute to the malfunction. So take ownership of our side and don't look at what the other spouse is doing. Number three, and this is a beautiful thing of how God unfolds this to us. When we are willing to admit that we have the cycle, when we then are willing to take responsibility for my side, my contribution to the cycle, a beautiful thing begins to happen. Then God begins to show us how we can contribute to turning the cycle into miracles. Amen. And that is where it gets exciting. Okay? The other stuff is not easy, it's hard, but it's 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 practical, it must happen. But when we stop blaming, take responsibility for my side, admit my side to my spouse, and by God's grace, if both are willing to do this, it takes off from there. Now we begin to have our eyes, the scales fall off our eyes, our eyes open. We start seeing what we can do to now break that cycle, contribute new life into the marriage instead of contributing my side of the malfunction. Then we go on to number four. When we recognize this, the next important factor is we have to recognize we can't make the change in and of ourselves. Because we've all tried. We've all tried by, you know, not letting the intensity in our voice get more, you know, rising, or we've tried to not say anything. We are helpless against the enemy. And he's there stirring it up, right? He's already succeeded because we're already in the spiral of the malfunction. So when, when we recognize what God is wanting us to do to change it, the next thing we need to do is pray for God to help us, right? Because we are insufficient. We might start good, but somewhere down the line, especially if they don't respond the way we think they need to or say the words we want them to, we start then shifting out of the restoring aspect and we start shifting back into our default mode. So recognize we need God's power to work in our lives in these instances. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Do you believe that God can deal with our flesh, your flesh? Can he? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If he's given permission, he doesn't force. But there's nothing too hard for God. And whenever I say that, <laughs> I think, okay, so what is the hardest thing for God? The hardest thing for God in his human family is when he clearly reveals what I'm doing wrong. And I fold my arms, so to speak, and say, no, I'm not going to surrender. No, I'm not going to let you have access to me. Well, we don't think of it that way. But sometimes we harden our hearts. Yeah, we do harden our hearts. Because we want to blame it somewhere else. That's right. Okay? And that is one of the hardest things. Now, it's not too hard for God, but he doesn't force us. Mm -hmm. He allows us to continue on. But oh, how much better if every couple in here 
See, we're sharing this message because we, we are living this experience. And you'll hear, it's, it's a fresh experience. It's not a new experience, but it's not a once saved, always saved experience. Okay? And what a blessing when we both surrender to God and see the exponential effect of miracle working power changing our malfunctions to miracles. That's right, and it is truly a miracle. It is. Anytime Christ subdues a heart, that's a miracle, right? Okay, and then the next step is the, the fifth one is we agreed, and we encourage you to do this, to give each other permission when you sense you are about ready to step into or starting down that cycle of malfunction. Give each other permission to say, and this is our term. Sorry, this is our term. It's happening. If I say it's happening, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to go right to the bottom. We, got, we, we, we see it right now, and it's just in its infancy, and now is the opportunity to turn that thing around through Christ. And so not only do we need to identify the past that we've had and, and how God wants to you know, work in the present, but when it begins to be a new experience or a new trial or a new temptation, a new malfunction beginning, one of us will always recognize it, and typically we both do. So that's very important. That's point number five. Yeah, and that happened in Minneapolis airports. Now that's been it's yeah, been about a year, a year and a half. Anyway, now that doesn't mean we haven't had a struggle since then. But but at Minneapolis Airport, we were walking down the moving walkway together, and I can remember exactly where we were at the end of the moving walkway. And my wife turned to me and she said, "It's happening." And I want to tell you that at that moment we'd given each other permission at that moment in an instant the Holy Spirit enlightened me okay I knew exactly what she was saying but in that same space of time myself did not want to admit that it was happening okay so you can relate to this if you can't, you will after this, okay? All right? Because you wouldn't be at these meetings or at this camp meeting if you weren't being somewhat sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so at that moment, I knew I had a choice to make. We had already talked about it. We already knew where our cycle would take us. And I praise God that in that moment, I said yes to God and no to the self that was crying out inside of me. We spent the next flight, it was a connecting flight in Minneapolis, on our way to... Family retreat. Family retreat. <laughs> to share the practical gospel. All the way, almost the entire flight, that leg of the flight we talked about, yeah. the life-changing, miracle-working power, because we know what it means when it happens, and when we respond and we know what it means when we say, oh, I'm going to do it my way this time. And usually it starts out with something really small, right? But 
something really small because it bugs both of us, we can take something small and make something really big out of it. And so, praise the Lord, it didn't have to go there. And what was really small is, do we eat in Minneapolis or are we going to eat at the destination point? Now, is that small? It is. But here's why. Because we didn't communicate, right? I made the first miss, misconception. I assumed that because my husband and we like to space our meals apart, that Minneapolis was too soon to eat, so we would eat at our final destination. See, it starts right back with the misconception. And he assumed we always, always eat at our connection point, so we're going to eat there. And by this time, we had passed all of the possible eateries. We are at the furthest end of the airport from anything that we could get. We are now needing to get on that plane in less than five minutes. And it's happening. It's happening. So that's how small and insignificant those things are that set it in motion. That's very vulnerable, but it's very honest. And, you know, it's taught us a lesson. We can't just assume anything. We need to communicate about everything. So point number six, pray specifically about your cycle of malfunction. Pray specifically, Lord, we see it. And it looks like this in our, in our marriage, but Lord, we want you to redeem us from this and help us to tune into that still small voice, help us to tune into you, help us to tune into our love for each other. And through prayer, the power of prayer, the Lord says you have not because you ask not. Ask and receive. So we need to ask the Lord. We need that kind of help. We are like little babies down here. We need a lot of help. One of the things that we have come to love and appreciate in our marriage is praying together out loud. Every evening before we go to sleep, we pray together out loud, and it has proven to be such a blessing because you get to hear the heart. Yes, we still have our private prayers, our secret prayers that we, the soul needs those, but we pray together. We make time to pray together, and it has been such a blessing because now as we pray, we're praying for each other, not on each other, if you understand the two different words, pray on, pray, pray for. And we're, we're praying for the upbuilding of our marriage, for the faithfulness of our marriage, and it's an encouragement to pray those prayers out loud. And the seventh one, the seventh step, is if you fail, and we have failed, you don't give up and say it's not going to work. You get back up. And you, you are more determined through prayer and in love with one another that we're going to do it differently. We're going to do it God's way next time. So please never give up. Get up on your feet just like you right. do with your toddler when they're learning to walk and they, they fall over. You don't kick them and say, well, you're never going to learn this. No, you pick them up, you dust their knees off, you give them a big hug and kiss, you give them a big hug and kiss and say, honey, we're going to get through this. We can learn to walk by faith. We can learn to walk and be the couples God would have us be. I know. In Luke 18, and verse 27, it is the words of Jesus, the things which are impossible, impossible with men are possible with God. You believe it? It is possible. In closing, we're going to sing a song for you. 
entitled Forever Friends. Listen to the words. We want this for you as well. Yeah, we want to be forever friends, right? changing seasons come and seasons go very few things last forever but deep within our hearts we know we're forever friends bound by love that time can't take away forever friends carry in a special kind of way heart to heart and hand in hand we'll stand until the end love's forever when we're forever children of the Father in His keeping and His care, and the Spirit that He gives us, it's a love we're meant to share. We're forever friends, bound by love that time can't take away. Forever friends carry in a special kind of way, heart to heart and hand in hand. We'll stand until the end. Love's forever when we're forever friends. Love's forever when we're forever friends. So we want to close with prayer, and then we have our drawing and the questions immediately after. So bow your heads where you are able. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you created marriage. We're so thankful that you created companionship in that marriage. And to experience the beauty of love, a selfless love to be expressed to another person and through that love through to other people. So Lord, today we pray that you will help each one of us to cooperate with your never-ending, never-failing love to work in our hearts that we can make our marriages through your power all that you want them to be. And we thank you because you've already promised 
It can be done. It is so. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've got our we've got our names in the box coming down. <laughs> Thank you. Here, I'll I'll hold it and you can draw this time. <laughs> Kendra Simpson. Kendra Simpson, all the way in the back. Come on down. <laughs> Okay, very good. So each of the little gifts is, is designed to add some little sparkle or some fun in your marriage. And we just talked about malfunction to miracles. So you can put a special photo of you and your hubby. Yes, your put it somewhere where you'll, you'll both see it and be remembered of the right moment. <laughs> yes, visual reminders are helpful, aren't they? <laughs> okay, are there any questions? Were there any questions put in? from yesterday? Wow, no questions. No questions. Okay, anybody have a question that they're brave enough to ask, that you want to ask? Okay. Okay, so he's talking about children. Uh, children can be grown up, and the question is, can they or do they sometimes interfere with the cycle? Yeah, can they get involved? You know, or... So in other words, can they sometimes aid in creating a cycle of malfunction? Right. Well, yes, they can, okay? Um, it's interesting. We don't obviously know your situation, but I can tell you that statistically we're living in a time when the baby boomer generation is... Uh, taking on a housing situation where more young people in their 20s and 30s are now living at home than at any time since they've been keeping records. If that happens, and sometimes that may happen because of the economy, difficulties, whatever, that can begin to create a problem, okay? It can create a problem if there's discontent rather than appreciation, or there can be appreciation from the young people, but, you know, they're at least one of them, if it's a married couple coming back in, which there's a lot more of that today, they still want to have their independence, and sometimes that's at the expense of, you know, the way life is meant to run in your home. That can create some problems, and so in that scenario, there needs to be plain rules about how that's handled. And it doesn't just have to be somebody moving back home, yes. because sometimes, you know, our children, we have three, they're all young adults, sometimes they can, they might have attitudes or they might have um, demands that maybe one of the parents is more sympathetic to than maybe the other one, it can be this way or this way. And we have to remember that this relationship here was first. And even though we have adult children, we need to protect this relationship first. And so if we find anything that any of our children are doing that is maybe unintentionally, but because of the, the circumstances of, of whatever, it's coming in and, and it's starting to divide us here, then we have agreed that we aren't going to let that happen, and if it's something 
that I see this one way and he sees it a different way, we're going to go right back to the Word of God and we're going to find out what does he say about the situation we're dealing with. So maybe that means, no, we don't give them, you know, we don't bail them out this time, okay? We're not going to give them money. This is a big thing that, that we see. You know, the children aren't even living at home, but one of the parents wants to keep funneling some funds to not see their young people sink, and the other one says, wait a minute, this is, this is taking away from our life together. It's, it's destabilizing us for our future. And so that's just a simple example. So what's important is this relationship is first, and anything or anyone who wants to come in between this it needs to be recognized, not because it's malicious or intentional, but because we have agreed that we are going to stand united and we will work through the situation through principles out of God's word to try to handle it in Christ-like manner. To bring not only the, the restore and the blessing here in this relationship, but not to alienate our young people as well. That's a very good question. I'd like to take that question, even though it wasn't oh, asked. You, were you going to put your oh, hand was there on? another? Yeah, because we go don't ahead. have a lot yeah, of time. Because we, yeah, we have. Go ahead. So I may be the only person here, but I think there may be some other people too. If you're um, here without your spouse, um, what, from your experience, what's the best way to share the concept of the cycle with your spouse who's not here, particularly if they're reluctant to marriage advice in general? Okay, well, that last part, reluctant. Um, probably the best way, the, the most um, unobtrusive or simplest way would be to get the recording, which they are available, and to be able to share that without saying, you, you really need this, honey. <laughs> Leave that part off. <laughs> Just say, I was blessed by this, and I think it can grow our marriage, and we're always looking for, for ways. If that, you know, if you don't end up getting it, I, I would say the second best way, or at least... Or you get it, and they don't want to hear it. And they don't want to hear it, is that um, you share from your perspective, and this is what I always encourage men to do when I'm talking to a man about what can change in the relationship, that... Anything that you are willing to recognize, that's the first, number one, with the cycle, that you recognize what you do to contribute to the cycle, that you be willing to take that to the Lord prayerfully and, and honestly. Let him begin to work on you, and then God will probably give you, in addition to your wife seeing some things changing, will give you the opportunity to share what God is doing in your heart, not what he needs to do in her heart. And that can be uh, very positive coming from your side. And I think as, as we recognize, you say, you know, honey, it sounds like we're starting down the track we've been through too many times that's never ended up in a good place. So I just want you to know that I love you and we can get through this and try to redirect the conversation, redirect, you know, what your part, what you're doing, even if you say, you know, and some women, I mean, I know there's couples where if you say, let's pray, they automatically dig in their heels because there's, they're, they're not just wrestling against you, they're wrestling against God. Yeah, it and doesn't just work that way with women. It can be no, either way. No, it can be either way. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, you know, it may, if, if you know that that saying that might 
you know, spark some resistance, then just pray quietly. But let them see that soft answer turns away wrath. And you might have to say, maybe we've talked about this long enough for where we are now, and so it doesn't get any worse. Let's, you know, let's just take some time apart and process it, and let's come back together when, you know, the heat is cooling down some. And some couples, and I'll, real quickly, some couples work really well that if we suggest doing something together, not, you know, would you listen to this? But can we listen to this together? Because I was really encouraged by this. And let's take some notes, and let's hit pause or whatever, and let's process this. That could be a new way of addressing or approaching it. This lady. Yeah, well, we made a commitment, and we talked about it yesterday, uh, where if there's something that, that we're coming up against that we don't see and we're not seeing it the same, that instead of turning it into an argument, we've made an agreement that we will go to the Word. So whatever it's related to, we will prayerfully, and we do this, we will prayerfully go, and if we don't know where to go for the text, we'll go to the concordance, look it up, that's pretty simple, and uh, we'll use some key words, and it's an amazing thing how much there is in God's Word and the Spirit of Prophecy that will enlighten the situation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.